from the cream. I'm extremely interested in Blockstack in particular because Maneeb Ali has, and Ryan Che have done extensive research in distributed networks and the whole, I mean, they're trying, if you don't know about Blockstack, they're basically trying to make the decentralized internet that was talked about in the last season of Silicon Valley happen <laughs> to a certain extent. Um, yeah, it was actually, yeah, it was, it was eerily close, but it's funny. Um, yeah, Blockstack is, uh, is super interesting. You know, you, I could build, uh, you know, for example, a decentralized Twitter and you could choose to store your data for my decentralized Twitter interface. You could you could store it on your personal computer or your external hard drive or Dropbox or somewhere else. Leave it internet connected, and it'll be accessed. And uh, you know, Nate here could code up a different client, um, you know, for decentralized Twitter. And uh, you could use his client. You could use my client. Um, it's pretty interesting. I find I I think that it'll be you know interesting to see the apps that come out of this. I, th- I think they also have. A pretty interesting governance model where they're, uh, you know, putting bounties. They're saying, yeah, hey, we want to see this app built mm-hmm. in a decentralized way. The best person to build this app, you know, we'll give them a reward of some sort. Yeah, they did that with a bunch of like uh, portfolio tracking apps. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. I, I hacked on it for a little bit. It was pretty yeah. interesting just to try out the the platform. It's, how is it? Uh, how is it developing on top of Blockstack? It's uh, it's cool. I mean, it's uh, it's actually just like developing any sort of web a- web application. Yeah, um, they're interacting with Node.js, right? Yeah, or, yeah. I yeah. used their JavaScript, uh, you know, library, mm-hmm. and it was, uh, you know, you just sort of call like you know Blockstack dot get, yeah. you know, whatever, and uh, you can access the data that you have in uh, in your decentralized like uh, Dropbox storage. And, <laughs> and it was cool. It was very 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 cool. I was pretty impressed. I, uh, you know, Muneeb and Ryan are are you know both blow me away. You know, with how yeah. smart they are. Yeah, they're OGs, and for for those of you that don't know, Maneeb and Ryan, the founders of Blockstack, they actually worked on an altcoin before Blockstack Namecoin, and they were two of the first to learn about the the limitations of these blockchains, specifically around proof of work and and SHA two fifty six algorithms specifically. Yeah, the uh, so I think that Blockstack is very interesting. They finally launched a token sale, um, you know, mm-hmm. after sort of long awaited. We couldn't participate here in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, and they have some of the, you know the best venture investors in the world. Um, I think that they I would bucket them along with uh, you know what I see as as the protocol coins where mm-hmm. you know they're trying to create some sort of new paradigm for for building applications. Um, and you know I think that ultimately most of the next generation of applications that that come out and get sort of mainstream adoption, especially with a lot of the issues that we're seeing around Facebook and mm-hmm. Google and some of these large companies around data and what how much data we give them. Mm-hmm. I think that um, you know most of those will be decentralized or at least decentralized in some form. They might be optionally decentralized. So let's dive into this. How would a structure like Blockstack differ from Facebook? So right now, Facebook, Google, they hold all of our data. We are products. Yes. If you're not if you're not paying for the product, you are the product, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the case of Facebook, you are using the product. You are the product. They take all of you. It's it's actually super creepy. Sometimes I'm just talking out loud. My yes. And Facebook has denied this a bunch of times. But Spotify I'm, does it. I'm certain. I'm a hundred percent sure that both Facebook <laughs> and Spotify do this. They're um you know the mics are on. I'm talking about you know I'm talking about you know Cheez-Its. I'm talking about Cheez-Its. I go on my Instagram feed. Boom, out of Cheez-Its. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how does that happen? You, you know what? You know, I don't know if I. Can, I don't think any. I don't think I've listened to one thing in the past no. two minutes. I've been stuck like doing work shit. But <laughs> no. that's why that's, I'm in the room. But like, we'll listen to it. We're not like we'll we'll get it done. But I'm uh, saying like we've been talking about we've been talking about hair products here, certain hair products, and I've been getting ads served to me. I've never typed them into my computer. 
I've never done anything. We've just been talking about them, and I began ad serve to me on Instagram for these certain products. Of course, dude, we know that already. We've known that. There was a fucking thing on Reddit like a couple months ago where a guy was like, "I live in an apartment building. I don't own, I don't need a washing machine." Then he went in the other room and started to talk about like, "Man, I need a new washing machine. I need a new washing machine." And all these washing machines started to like, re- like like retarget it. Yeah. Like that's a hundred percent a thing. That's a thing. Like I don't want to. <laughs> Does that creep you out at all? What? Does that creep you out? Of course it creeps me out, but it's also like, it's too, I I look at it two ways though. It's like, there's a lot of times I just, I'm lazy and don't want to sign up for shit and I just hit the Facebook button and I'm just like, I'm lazy and like, I understand the the trade-off. There's times where I don't want to sign up for stuff and I'm just like, uh, hit it and that's the (laughs) trade-off. That complacency is going to lead us to Black Mirror. What? We're going to get both of these things, I think, solved over time once the UX gets better. You know, once the user experience of like some of these decentralized identity systems gets really good, mm-hmm. and we can actually you know do that, it's going to be. I don't know if it will lead to Black Mirror though, because like, well, at least not for me. Like, I don't <laughs> even care about like. I only use I use Facebook since I work in advertising to see what they're trying to target me with and to see what they're doing. Other than that, like I use it as like, okay, Facebook's doing X, Y, and Z. How can I bring that to the publisher world? Other than that, I don't fucking care about Instagram or Sna- like, I don't give a shit about any of that stuff like I don't use that stuff really so it's like I don't know it doesn't really do much for me it doesn't like the idea of like but, that like like I, I've listened to the guy from Social Capital I'm not gonna be able to say his name like, like <laughs> the dopamine you get from that like that doesn't really do anything for me like I don't like ever it never really did like the I, the, I use Twitter because Twitter's the best news source ever created like other than that like I don't know it doesn't do anything for me yeah, but I'm saying, like, I, I, I if there's stupid, I get listen, out. I if get there's stupid out. people that does it for, that's on them, man. It doesn't do it for me. I don't give a shit about like, I mean, we got, we got motherfuckers in Barstool every day, like, just hit eighty thousand followers. Never thought this would happen. Like, who cares? Like, I don't care. I don't yeah. care if I have ten thousand. Fo- I don't care if I have one follower. As long as I can use Twitter for like to find people like you and find people like you and like Twitter, that's what it's used for. Like to me, like, yeah, I don't. It, 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 the Facebooks of the world are literally like a useless tool. I don't know why people. By the way, that was that was an intense face to face subtweet at Nate there. <laughs> what? I have a hundred thousand, so that's cool. <laughs> Nate tweeted out earlier today that he has a hundred thousand followers. I don't even remember. It was you that did that. <laughs> no, because you said eighty thousand. I have twenty thousand. Okay, so, so that's that's been like the wave at Barstool lately. Every time someone gets to a number, they're just like, I can't believe. Well, it. I mean, a lot of like <laughs> my life revolves around Twitter, like my entire job, maybe. So okay, okay, um, never mind. Okay, all right, we get a little off the rails here, but what I'm, what we're what. Arjun and I are trying to get to is that it's probably not the best that we are products. It's probably not the best uh, we're we're getting taken advantage of to a certain extent. I think the era of us being products will be over before long, you know. And we'll, I think we're, I think it's such a problem that we're not seeing it yet. We're Mm -hmm. gonna reflect back and be like, "Holy Holy shit! shit. How did we not realize that we were being sort of manipulated, used?" Well, in these, you know, horrible ways. And this goes back to the point I was making earlier where you're just born into the system and you just start running. You're like, this is the way it works. Nobody ever takes the time to take a step back and be like, hey, wait a second. So, like, the internet that we have today is the first iteration of the internet. If we think this is going to be the last iteration of the internet, you're, you're wrong. This like, is this is a visionary episode right here. This is, like, a... Oh, this is lucid. This is I'll, a lucid vision. I'll say this, though, about, like, if we're going to go back to, like, the fate... Like, the, like 
I kind of want them to be able to like, f- like I don't want to go look. Like I like like fashion and all. Like I don't want to go look for shit. If they want to find shit, if they want to listen to me, Facebook, find me like cool fashion and cool <laughs> shoes and shit. Like, I don't want to go look for. Yo, listen to me. I have my phone in front of my face. Find me this stuff. Find me this stuff. I don't want to go look for it. Find it for me, and and hit me with it. That, see. <laughs> I think a lot of people are just indifferent. Like you, so much yeah. going on in people's lives. It's just like I don't have time to worry about that, if like that, Facebook's listening to me. That, that indifference can get dangerous that. to a point, though. It can right. get dangerous. Like it can get to a point where that's like, technology, though. Like it's always the more it improves, like yeah. But that indifference could lead to like if everybody's too complacent, like like it's been proven. Like Chamath, the, the dude you were mentioning earlier, the original Facebook guy. Like he came out. He actually had a back step because yeah. Facebook yelled at him. He was like, we are manipulating your thoughts and your the way you feel. Sean Parker said that as well. He's yeah. like, we didn't... I, I think Zuckerberg kind of had this vision from the beginning, but he didn't share it as much with everybody else on the team where like they're like, we're dangerous. Like, we're a dangerous part of society. Like, Chamath said that and Sean Parker said that. And I mean, at this point, Facebook, so like our lives, a lot of people's lives revolve around Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that, that people just don't have time to worry about it anymore. It's just like people have kids to feed and stuff like that. They don't care if Facebook's listening to like what kind of shoes they Ex- want. Exactly. I'm trying to get people to take a yeah, step we back. Gotta, that's, that's scary, man. That's, ter- that's terrifying. If we want to, yeah. we got to separate ourselves from these like massive corporations that then dictate our thoughts and you know, what we're thinking about talking about feeling emotionally. Like that's mm-hmm. uh you know, that's, that's really scary stuff. Yeah. Like, and that's, the one thing I love about other Bitcoiners is they're truly on a quest to become self-sovereigns and they, they're individualistic and, and everybody, not everybody that's in Bitcoin, but the people that are hardcore about it, like just really care about being their own person. I think that every hardcore sort of like, you know, aspiring sovereign individual, we'll call it, is uh, is going to, their, their dream is to like live in a cabin in Montana that they built themselves <laughs> and like chop their own firewood and like go hunting for their own steaks and you know that's that's you know that's the dream man like what can I say and so um you know I think that there's probably a middle ground in between that and you know present day that's great for most people but I think you know what we have now in terms of you know being beholden to these massive like corporations is probably not great. Yeah, it's definitely not great. I'm happy you said like meet like let's meet in the middle. Like, yes, I do want I do want to get good clothes served to me. I do want to have products that I, I will potentially buy put in front of me. But at the same time, I don't want that to come at the cost of me uh giving my life away to these corporations to a certain extent. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that, you know, the the two things that we're really, really, really getting right now is uh, you know, one, we're getting we're building massive hopefully successful decentralized infrastructure for things like storage, um, for things like computation. Um, and, you know, I don't know if there was a serious demand for that, but, you know, I think that we're building that. Um, we have what I see is successful, um, you know, in the money use case. And I think that we'll get there with applications as well. You know, that's the sort of next wave that I see. Yeah. And so let's take a step back and sort of describe how it would be different than it is today. Cause I think that, that, gets confusing for a lot of people so if we did an internet with the block stack style you hold your data on your on your client or somebody else's client or server excuse me um and you basically reveal the data you want to when necessary oh oh i like that yeah so they're not just taking with that they're not just taking all the data 
that face they're not following you around the internet and taking all that all this cookie data and all all, all the metadata then wait can we take a step back <laughs> we <laughs> are taking a step back this is the step back we're taking a step back when i'm blind like so like then if that's the if that's what well maybe not i don't know if that's what blockstack does and that's their plan or at least they're say what they're going to do why the fuck are we buying like names of corporations on there trying to resell them to people later on like we want to buy names like we want to buy names names like we want to buy actual names like i want to buy like jay-z's kids name yeah well lou lou and i have been buying up some block stack ids nice nice i know a lot of people are doing that on the 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 id name space yeah the um yeah so i think that in that in that future it's going to be uh it's going to be great. Like, it's going to be opt-in. It's going to be, you know, I'm – but, you know, we're, we're, I think we're seeing very, very quickly what happens when there's a whole bunch of speculators and, like, mm-hmm. guys who are trying to get in early on something. Um, and, you know, this is not that different than what the internet was. You know, in the in the early to mid-90s, there was a whole bunch of people who were, who were grabbing every domain name they could, right? Mm-hmm. You know, dogs.com, you know, groceries.com, sex.com, yeah. you know. Like they were grabbing up everything, so I think it's a, I think it's the same way. It's a land grab, like anything else. Uh, it's a digital land grab, no doubt about it. And there's actually a literal digital land grab. There's a, there's uh, this project called Decentraland. I saw. It's the where, uh, Oliver Jansons or whatever. Is that, yeah, right? I'm not I'm not sure who the guy is, but they're selling like literal digital plots of land. Um, and it's kind of like it's like one of those things. It's kind of like esports, where you know I don't quite get it, mm-hmm. but I realize that it is going to be a thing. Yeah. Right, you know, where I I don't quite understand why people like you know choose to watch you know nerds playing League of Legends or we World. We literally of have people doing a live Twitch stream right outside the studio. <laughs> <laughs> They're literally on Twitch right now. Yeah, exactly. But it's uh, you know it's the same way where it's uh, you know hey I just bought this plot of land like you know maybe in a f- in sort of like this future crazy virtual reality um, you know vision for the world where we're all in headsets like the virtual plot of land is just as good as like owning actual land. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm all for like I was saying me and Fuddleberg's my roommate we were talking last night like I'm all for getting old and just like putting on a headset and like <laughs> going and like fighting with Alexander the Great like, I'm all for that dude like I'm all for that like when I'm old like I hope that shit's here like I just want to like sit there like be like yeah you guys do whatever the fuck you want I'm just gonna sit here like <laughs> like yeah you gotta do that I'm gonna go fight like in like wars and shit like that like I can't die so. Like I'm real. I really hope that's a lot. I really hope that's like this a is thing. actually uh, Infinite Jest, David Foster Wallace. This mm-hmm. is um, you know we're gonna be plugged into this crazy en- entertainment game, and we're just gonna be we're, we're gonna have maybe uh, we are. <laughs> I feel like I kind of am. I feel like in the past six to eight months, I kind of am. Like I don't feel like I'm ever off the internet, and it's like fucking fucking my brain up some days. I'm like, I'm like I'm never ever ever off the internet. What what is what is he doing? Marty just got up and left his own show. <laughs> Marty literally just left his like own show. Three and a half so hours into his own show, show, he just got up and yeah, left. Yeah, like no, Marty's like keep this is sh- my show now. It's this your is show. actually it's, I'm a, I'm the host I, of this you podcast. Know what? I'll kick Marty out. You want to come be my you want to come be my account manager? <laughs> yeah, I'll kick Marty out of the company. Um, <laughs> uh, no, Marty, no, but like Marty just literally left his own show with like. This is like a super smart conversation, and me and you were just like hanging out here. Right, I've like, just been so like, like swiping over yeah. here. Like, <laughs> it's like, wow, they talk about stuff so over my pay grade. What, what do you guys want to? You guys want to talk about sports? You guys want to talk? Nah, guys sports talk are hoops? dumb. <laughs> uh, uh, should we just wrap the show up? Marty comes back. Show no, Marty. Over? I don't think Marty's done. Marty was talking about going on like a marathon tonight with you. Like, oh, Marty wow. oh, He's like, if you have nothing to do, Marty I, was I like, got, dude, it's Friday night. I hold Bitcoin. 
What do you think I have to do? I got nothing to do. It's <laughs> you could just spend. I could spend my entire. Night. I got. I got to go home. I got to read. There's a new paper that came out uh, the other day. It's uh, probably the most important cryptography paper that's come out the last year. Okay, can you like send us the? Can me and Nate? Can you? I'll, get, I'll send it to you. We got to get on email email chain. Chain. I'll give yeah. you guys the the TLDR. Yeah, it's uh, the uh, Ellie Ellie Ben Swasson. He uh, he's a cryptographer. He's the guy who uh, originally came out with the the paper. Um, that advanced something called a ZK snark, okay. um, and that's the zero knowledge proof base that's uh, in that makes zero, uh, that makes uh, what was called zero cash like Zcash possible. Okay, and so he came out with a new paper um, advancing something called ZK Starks uh, because in Zcash there's a whole trusted setup, and so one of the my to dos for like tonight and this weekend after we wrap this up, unless we go on this like crazy marathon session, is. Uh, to go try to decipher this, uh, decipher this paper. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? You know what? I'm gonna pass on the paper. You guys look at the paper and tell <laughs> um, me. That's what on to my do. list this weekend too. I actually have a tab open for Z Starks. Very so let's nice. talk about the trusted setup. The thing with Zcash's trusted setup that spooks me the fuck out is the cell phone that got hacked. Like the there's enough people in the trusted setup that I personally I look at. I'm like, yeah, those guys are probably good. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, this is very very interesting. I I'm not gonna pretend like I'm gonna understand every other word, but um, you know, hopefully, you know, this will this looks really, really promising, so I'm excited. Yeah. Z Starks, uh so you don't need to trust the setup. The thing that geeks me out about Zcash's trust the setup is that Zuko had uh, a journalist come and his phone like the, visibly got hacked during the trust the so setup. So the radio lab episode they did on this was uh it's kind of insane. I really said, I, I heard it yeah, they was it post mortem like no no no, it was like uh, it was sort of like as it was happening, like they put together this whole, you know, produ- hyper-produced episode of Radio Lab, and uh, you know, it was, was kind of crazy with all this theme music, and it was uh, it was good. You know, it's like I think normies are gonna go listen to Radio Lab and be like, "Wow, cool Zcash! Like, this is cool. It's so private. It's so anonymous. It's it's sort of like uh, I think the the real sort of like what I see as uh, the cypherpunk like ethos is in privacy right now. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like the people who are working on privacy tech right now are. I think uh, you know, sort of uh, most, um, you know, in my mind, what I see as as uh, as the real kind of ethos is, is still there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so it's cool. I'm super excited. And let's talk about a couple couple things that uh, Core is working on that could help fungibility on Bitcoin and help it become more private, which is uh, Mimblewimble Mast. Mimblewimble is like an altcoin implementation right now, but there's arguments that it could be implemented on Bitcoin. Yeah, there's a number of these. Um, I think that fungibility has been like a long, you know, it's a long-standing issue. It's like I, I remember like it's not it's not recent. There was back in the day like Mike Hearn was like, you yeah. know, hey, you know, this this <laughs> has been an issue. Blacklist address. Yeah, this like has that. been this has been an issue since sort of like you know day maybe not day one, but sort of day fifty mm-hmm. um, of like you know, hey, this thing is not. And there's a whole bunch of companies. Um, you know, there's uh, Chainalysis in Brooklyn, like mm-hmm. Elliptic. Like there's a number of companies that make their money doing blockchain analysis for block and chain. Yeah, like uh, the um, in in terms of looking for illicit transactions, looking for money laundering, drugs, um, and so the idea that this could be uh, that we could achieve something like uh, true fungibility is fascinating. Um, I think the only the 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 super near term thing that's happening on Bitcoin, there's a, a another Bitcoin airdrop scheduled for for something called Bitcoin Private. <laughs> Um, which you'll have, you'll have Bitcoin private if you keep it, keep it in your ledger, <laughs> keep it in your treasure. 
And uh, Bitcoin Private, um, it's this kid out of MIT who graduated from MIT Red. He's uh, he's uh, he was working on Z Classic, which was this. Well, he's got like five coins out there. Red, yeah, yeah. Red that's... is Red is a uh, is uh, I mean. I don't trust that motherfucker as far as I can throw. <laughs> he started so many shit coins and left their projects that it's like, yeah, I think he, I think he's jumping from project to project trying yeah, to make his, a quick buck. His big win was Z Classic, which I think you know was a fork or it was a it was, was a clone all- of Zcash mm-hmm. where they just removed the founders reward because on Zcash there's a twenty percent founders reward, twenty five percent for 25%. the first two years, twenty five percent of every of the block reward for the first two years. Okay, you know I suspect that that'll go away at some point. Um, yeah. You know I think that there's been sort of enough backlash over over uh, over the years that it'll go away, but. The um, yeah, the looking at at uh, Bitcoin Private, it's they they did the perfect kind of like what I see is like the altcoin crazy run up where they said each Z Classic holder will get a Bitcoin Private token, and each Bitcoin holder at the time of the airdrop will get one as well. So mm-hmm. that's why Z Classic has run up so much. Yeah, now we're seeing that in Counterparty too right now because they're uh, they're gonna they're gonna fork to be compatible with Bcash. Yeah, all these uh, all these sort of like. You know, airdrops and forked coins. Now it's like it's crazy. People realize that they have like a distribution mechanism, mm-hmm. that they have the ability to, um, you know, like if I were to go out and buy some altcoin, I'd be, you know, I'd have to really, really think hard about it. But if it's, you know, hey, I got this thing for free, it's free money, then you know, I'm not, I'm sort of like, oh, this is awesome. Well, if you're gonna launch a shit coin, it's the best <laughs> way to do it because you get an automatic network effect for the people that claim those coins. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, if you're a long-time Bitcoin holder and you've never used something with a, with a with a privacy sort of implementation, that might actually be pretty interesting if they end up end up actually going through with it. Yeah. And that's uh maybe this will be the first project that Red actually sticks through and, and sees it through to the end. Yeah. Actually, Bitcoin Cash. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's not get into Bitcoin Cash. Let's not get into Bitcoin we've, Cash. Uh, we've beat that dead horse too much here. <laughs> it's just not it's not it's not worth it. I mean they're not doing anything exciting in my mind. Um let's figure out what else I wanted to talk about here. <laughs> uh, we do marathons here, so I'll probably cut this up into like three episodes. Oh god. Um So let's talk about the trading community a little bit. Okay. Um because okay. that's one thing that fascinates me. Like I've got this list that I've been sharing for a while, my crypto list, and, and it's heavy on traders and I'm fascinated by the trading world. I like to think of myself as somebody who knows my limitations. Like I try not to trade as much as possible. I try to. I have long-term bags that I have and I believe in, and I'm pretty confident will do well in the long term. But the reason I want to touch on the trading community is because every every noob that's coming in and is is hitting up my DMs in my inbox is like, "How do I start trading? How do I start trading?" I'm like, "If you don't know how to trade, like, be careful." Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it's actually it's funny you mentioned DMs. I get a ton of DMs as well about trading, um, and my DMs. So you know the the sort of like Bitcoin trader memes where everyone says like Sir Wen Moon, and yeah, they're making yeah. fun of this like Indian community because Indians everybody, love to. Everybody hits up Romano asking Sir Wen Moon on V. Yeah, everyone loves Indians. Love saying Sir. They love ever calling everybody Sir. And I get all of the Indian community DMs because they're like, <laughs> oh, this is like an Indian guy. He's on Twitter. He's talks crypto. Um, so, you know, there's two sort of interesting trading communities. There's the one that I see offline, which is sort of like traditional institutional guys that are trading this, this stuff and, you know, very, very methodical about it. Then there's crypto trading Twitter. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll proceed it with this, which is 
most crypto trader Twitters, um, especially all the ones that are running paid groups, most of them are shit traders. And they're trying to dump on their followers. Exactly. They're running pump and dump groups. If they were any good at trading, they would not be running paid groups. And some mm-hmm. of them are pulling in, you know, 50, 100 Bitcoin a month running these paid groups. It's absurd. You know, right, it's... I'll set up a paid You want to run a paid group? I'll, I'll set up the marketing. Lewis, I'll Lewis. set up the marketing. This is a long-term reputation know, game. Dude, we're not blowing is... our reputation on long What I've realized, though, what I've realized, though, in the past couple weeks and just in Barcelona and the internet in general, everyone wants their blood one day, and no one remembers anything five days right. later. <laughs> so, like, what is it? What does that matter? Marty, we could, everyone would be like, Lewis and Marty stole all this Bitcoin from us. Five days later, they'd be like, I don't even remember that happened. I want a <laughs> boat more than I want a reputation. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> like, they wouldn't even, like, I'm telling you, the internet now, it's like you don't remember what happened five days later. Mm-mm. Literally, mm-hmm. five days. Every day, there's a new end of the world story. Yeah. Some of the crypto traders. There's really two camps. There's one, uh, you know, grant, a group of sort of like what I see as, you know, similar investors to me, you know, fundamental, long-term oriented. There are other guys that are more sort of technical traders that are mm-hmm. looking at, you know, what's the head and shoulders? What's the, you know, the inverse? Yeah, you TA know. works until it doesn't. It's, uh, yeah. So some of these guys, you know, everybody, you know, somehow if you look at the charts right now it's like every chart looks the same you know maybe yeah, exactly. i just suck at this maybe maybe i'm a shit trader right I th- i'd like to think i do well for myself but it's uh you know every chart looks the same it's you know every chart looks bullish you know like you sort of switch the x and y axes what, you know like being a weathered ultra like i want to i don't even want to call myself a trader but somebody who has traded alts in the past like i was looking at that tron chart earlier this week like screaming at matt brown to sell it now Sell it now. This is your prototypical pump yeah. and dump. Like, yeah, some some traders I will say are awesome. Some traders are really really good. Some of the guys mm-hmm. that I follow and have spoken to uh, plenty. Other traders, I really you know they're they're looking at charts. They're looking at no tech. You know, so sort of where I see um, you know the the charts and the fundamentals of a token align. That's mm-hmm. where you know I as an investor, you know, given my background. That's what I really like because you know if if the fundamentals are great and I know there's stuff that's coming out and I know it's a promising project with good devs, and the chart looks pretty bullish because it's you know sort of like super cheap and it's you know falling a lot. That I feel really really good about that. This is not financial advice. We don't give out financial advice here, but the Monero chart has looked sexy as fuck lately. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a slow grind up. I think it's a lot. I think it's in an accumulation phase, and I think if if Ricardo and team can continue to to innovate on on Monero and the fundamentals are there as well, uh, so Bitcoin is not used on the dark markets. Monero is the go to dark market cryptocurrency. Yeah, and Monero Zcash, which has been falling for months now against Bitcoin. I, um, you know, despite the fact that it's not fully private, I, uh, you know, I'm I'm a fan, especially yeah. with uh, Starks. Um, you know, seeing what they'll be able to do in the next year, um, you know, because that's really the the sort of like time horizon that I'm looking at um, mm-hmm. is is a year. I feel good about that. Um, Ethereum's been running up like a lot of these, but you know, a lot of these traders are, are tossing out things that you know they could buy. You know, they could buy twenty Bitcoin worth and totally move the, move the chart themselves if they wanted to. It becomes almost a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, you know, where they'll tweet about a chart and then instantly it'll move because they're you know, ten thousand followers will will start buying the thing up. That's that's. I'm continuously fascinated by the 
amount of followers these anonymous trading crypto trading mm-hmm. accounts mm-hmm. can accrue. It's crazy because everybody, you know, just like everybody thinks they're a saver now, everybody's a saver because of Bitcoin. Everybody's a trader because they buy alts. Exactly. And uh, you know, the reality is none of these guys <laughs> know what they're doing. A lot of these guys will lose their shirts against Bitcoin. You know, if you're not making more Bitcoin month to month or week to week than you were, then you're actually losing money. You should just be buying and holding Bitcoin. At a minimum, you should be outperforming Bitcoin. That's another thing that a lot of the noobs don't realize, which is, you know, they're up in U.S. dollars, but they're down in Bitcoin. You know, hey, you should have just held Bitcoin the whole time. That's what we say all the time. We just, just, there's no point of doing this. Just let's just hold Bitcoin. (laughs) Unless you're, like, really in this world, like, just buy Bitcoin and hold that. And that's the thing, like, noob traders don't understand. It's not about profits. It's about risk management. You can look me in the eyes when when you're talking about (laughs) People don't know how to manage risk and like make position sizes and set stop losses. And exactly. Take profits. Like and, this is stuff that you have to realize. Like I worked at a hedge fund and I can't even fucking do it. L- like, let me just chime in here because there's probably a lot of people like me who are listening to this who like the excitement of the buying and selling of the alts who don't really understand pretty much any of it. Like I talked to you, I talked to <laughs> Lewis, you know, I listened to this podcast, but it, it's a very complicated, very, very over my head, like system and idea. But I, I, you know, I read as much as I can. I try to learn, but it's still very complicated. Like being just like careful and safe about it. And just like, is probably just like, we, we should probably talk a little more about that just because it's, it, there's so much money involved in it that idiots like me and other people out there, like you know, once it's like on the internet, you forget that it the value that it has. So, it's it's, it's been crazy this year. Looking at like you're making trades like point one Bitcoin. It used to be fucking twenty bucks. And now <laughs> right. It's like holy shit. Yeah, this exactly. Is like it's more uh, than a grand. Like, you know what's great? Here's what I will say: is black swan events like exchanges getting shut down mm-hmm. will wipe you out more than anything else. It will wipe you. You know, hundred percent. You will get wrecked. And the thing that I will say to all these noobs is that a lot of them are holding money on exchanges, right? So it's like, how many of them know how to set up a, you know, a Ripple wallet, you know, or a Tron wallet? You know, I don't even know if that exists, right? It doesn't exist. Exactly, right? So it's, you know, where are they holding their tokens? You know, if they're, even if they're making profits, you know, if you're not custodying your assets yourself, you have, you're opening yourself up. Do you know how much... Do you know what the team of Bitrex is or Poloniex or some of these other exchanges? I have the support ticket on Poloniex. I've been trying to get answered for two months. Yeah. And you know, the CEO of Poloniex, he was like a music major in college. Like, what's he doing running an exchange, right? Exactly. That's yeah. the one, like, remember MinPal? Were you ever on MinPal? No. I, I got caught in that exit scam. I was I was in the, I, I'm actually, I, I was a participant in the Mt. Gox class action lawsuit. Marty, I want everything, first thing Monday before we do before we do ads, I want everything on a wallet. Yes, I, I have all my Bitcoin on a wallet, but I don't. I just look at everything. I, I want everything on wallets. That's uh, wallets that a smart on everything. Move. Smart move. Yeah, that's what I've been setting Caleb up with wallets all week. He's he's been getting on it, and that's one thing. Like, and that's why I wanted to come help help Barstool out. It's like I heard you talking about. I'm like, all right, let's do this the right way. Let's start educating people how to actually do this correctly because. Like you said, you got caught up in Mt. Gox. I got caught up in MinPel. I woke up one day and just didn't have money. Like the money I did have was just all these picking. exchanges right now are printing so much money. Sick. What I are think- your What are your thoughts on Binance? It sort of came up out of nowhere <laughs> and like it's it's a little sketchy to me. I'll trade wherever there's liquidity. Personally, um, Yo, Bi- I'm on I'm on Binance. So if it's bad, let's know. Binance <laughs> Binance has it's doing you know like this week it was doing like seven eight billion dollars in volume every day mm-hmm. you know at that run rate you know if they're doing you know 50 bips 50 basis points half percent of trade they're on a run rate that's bigger than you know 
you know, at the New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ, you know, <laughs> annualized. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the they have their own. One thing that's that's been interesting that in sort of late 2017, early 2018, these new exchanges that are coming out, Binance and KuCoin, these Asian exchanges, they all have a token now. Yeah, have, that's like, what we were talking assist. about. Like, Caleb was asking <laughs> me, like, should I buy the- up like 500 billion percent this week. Like, what? Why? Why do you need that token? Yeah, like, you get like a discount on fee structures and so you know, smart. The, huh? the <laughs> so, this is a wild world, man. The it is insane. <laughs> Michael Lewis is going to write a book on this uh, someday. I, I I'm actually been I've been thinking about writing a book about this because it is like crazy. Yeah, take good notes, man. That's that's why I write the newsletter every day. Yeah, exactly. This is a crazy time. There's, you know, some of these exchanges, Binance is hot now. You know, it comes and goes with the season. Last spring, Poloniex was a hot exchange. Yeah. Then they, Bittrex was the hot exchange for six months. Yeah. And now Binance, because they have this massive Chinese support team, they're the hot exchange. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things is when you log into Binance, it, there's like a puzzle piece that you have to yeah, slide over. Get the puzzle piece, and it always says for me, 99, better than 99.9%. And does it say that for all you guys? Yeah, it says it for everyone. Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't think about that, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And apparently, I've heard on Binance that they're like, they're they're forcing like coins to pay them a lot of money, exactly, to get on the exchange. Which is a all these guys that are running these exchanges. <sighs> yes, you know they're making even more money than Satoshi, dude. They're making yeah. they're making millions a day. Yeah. Um. And so I think that hopefully in 2018 we'll see a lot more sort of control and regulation over these exchanges to to ensure that people will have a safe place to trade. Yeah. You know, if that's what they want to do. You don't want to wake up to a Mt. Gox or a Mint Pal situation. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Although I do have a great postcard from Japan from Mt. Gox. <laughs> really? I do, yeah. It's uh, it's from a Japanese court. <laughs> what I got I think right now at as we tape this Kraken I think is still down. They've been down for have you know, they? Yeah, they they were down for quite some time. Yeah, they're still uh, <laughs> still got the red circle next to them on trade block. So yeah, yep, yeah they're yep. not they're not functional right now. Yeah, um, be careful. Yeah, and that's like again going back to the ethos of why this was created to have a Swiss bank account in your in your pocket. I would highly encourage anybody listening to this to to start researching how to do private key management, how to take this stuff into your own custody and hold it long term. And it's definitely. Definitely highly technical to yep. a certain extent. 2018 will be the year for decentralized exchanges. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, we saw it with, I think Xerox will be the first, um, you know, trading of Ethereum and ERC-20 Ethereum-based tokens. Um, Xerox, they were doing less than a million in volume, um, you know, at the end of 2017. Then in sort of one week, they hit, they broke million, they broke two million, then they broke 10 million. You know, I think that by the end of the year, they'll be doing 100 million a day, at least. Conservative, but they're on top of Ethereum, right? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so one of, I mean, they're so all of their order books are off chain, okay. but um, you know, I think that ultimately they'll we'll see we'll have a CryptoKitties like situation where they'll clog up the Ethereum uh, chain with their settlement transactions. That's one thing. Their Listen, computation, rather. Yeah, that's one thing. Like, I have a lot of love for some of the people working on Ethereum. I know them personally. I wish them the best, but I just, <laughs> me personally, I cannot bring myself to put money on that on that protocol just because of, of, of the scaling issues they have ahead of them. And it could, like, again, like, so this is the one question I wanted to ask you earlier that we never got onto. Could Ethereum, what happens if all the geth nodes go offline? Could Ethereum keep running? Nothing. Uh, well, there's there's a lot of clients for Ethereum. I know, exactly. Geth, exactly. Geth, isn't, so they, they, geth isn't the only client. You bring up the geth 
you bring up the Geth client and they say that's not the only client like we're pruning yeah. we're we're doing other ones but like yeah. don't you need to reference the full state of the blockchain at some point or am i wrong in assuming that uh i i'm not actually sure i think that there are actually other yeah there's lightweight clients that, yeah, yeah, that, I, that I you don't. can load up in like 20 uh, they only take up like 25 to 40 gigs of data yep but conceptually to me like geth has the full state of the ethereum blockchain like you need to reference that at some point Am I wrong in assuming that? No, no, no. I think I think that's totally fair. But my understanding was that Get wasn't the only client that was uh, that was operational that way. Uh, I thought it was. I think it's the only client with the full state and history. I'm not sure. No. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I there's at this point there's I think seven or eight different Ethereum clients um, mm-hmm. that are being worked on. So I'm not. I'm not. I'm not actually sure about that. That's what I'm actually trying to get a couple of the researchers to come on. I actually got to reach out to Lane. Um, who runs Crypto NYC in Brooklyn? Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's been working closely with with Carl and Vitalik on Ethereum's uh, on Ethereum scaling. Nice. Um, I think if anyone can can help figure this out, it'll be it'll be Vitalik. That guy is very very smart. <laughs> yeah, I I go back and forth with Vitalik. I think I think he's smart but misguided. I think uh, he has good intentions. Definitely has good intentions, but not enough experience, and I don't think he gets how the world works. To it. I think he has a view of how it works and how it should work in his head, and it's the Mike Tyson quote: "Everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face." And the guys, the guys that have normative views of the world are the ones that change it, though. And so that's that's the reason why I'm glad I'm glad that that people like him exist. Yeah, no, definitely we need people to push us, push the conversation and 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 push us to the limits. I just think uh, I just think the boy genius sort of meme around him is is very dangerous for. For Ethereum specifically, because a lot of its success hinges on him being successful specifically. Yeah, that's one thing that I that I actively think about. Although I I think that it is being slowly, slowly, slowly improved upon, where mm-hmm. there's more and more minds in the room. Uh, but you know, we even saw early last year where you know Vitalik had to hold up uh, the yeah, you know, prove he was alive. Yep, yep, exactly. You know, proof of proof of life. Um, but I think that, you know, that's one thing with other projects like Monero, for example, you know, if, you know, Fluffy Pony, bless his soul, were to, were to somehow get hit by a truck, you know, there's, you know, dozens of other developers that are working on Monero. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of my favorite projects have large teams like that. You know, Monero, Decred um, is another one where, you know, they, they have some of these problems ironed out. With Ethereum, there's a large team of researchers that are actively working on it, but it is, um, you know, something that I worry about. Not... So much that Vitalik is the is the central focal point, but he's sort of the what I see as the spiritual leader. Here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's uh, and that can be dangerous. And that's and that's why I trend towards maximalism too. I mean, I am a maximalist. I don't trend towards it because nobody knows who Satoshi is, and that 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 fact alone liberates everybody to sort of build around Bitcoin. And the fact that we can't point to somebody and say, "What should we do?" is is liberating in a sense. We may not realize it completely right now, but I think that is an advantage that no other blockchain has. Uh, maybe other than Monero. I mean, this this is what people who um, you know sort of complain about Bitcoin. You know, this is what they're wrong about, which is that you know Bitcoin being hard to change is a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really it's actually good. You know, yeah. because if Bitcoin had very very few changes from now until sort of eternity, you can call it until you know. You know, twenty million nine hundred ninety-nine thousand. You know, whatever block it is, uh, or or rather, Bitcoin amount it is. You know, if Bitcoin had 
no changes, you know, we'd actually still probably be in a great state. Yeah. No, um, that, oh, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Like Bitcoin as it is now, I don't think it needs to be changed at all. Maybe you could build on top of it. Like, yes, you can have more efficiency at the protocol level. Uh, I think innovations like MAST and, and uh, uh, scriptless uh, signatures would be good innovation, but I don't think it's completely necessary. I think Bitcoin is a slow dump protocol that does what it purports it's, it's going to do. It, it enables peer-to-peer censorship-resistant transactions, and that one dumb use case is all it needs. Like that's, that's you just need to keep stamping out blocks every ten minutes. Exactly. And as long as fees don't kill the network, like I think it could be successful in its current state going forward. And it's, you can build on top of it via second, third, fourth layers. Exactly. I think it's it's like I said earlier. Whatever wins money will win, right? And mm-hmm. I think that you know that if we if we see money as the outsized winner here i th- i think that bitcoin is is farther ahead than everybody else when it comes to mm-hmm. you know what is money yeah and then you get into the whole lindy effect side of it and and the fact that it it's state it's obviously the the oldest blockchain and it hasn't gone down you no. know it's uh, it's uptime is ridiculous the upside the uptime of every other website in the world is is absolute <laughs> garbage when it compares to to bitcoin exactly and that's the other thing that makes me completely skeptical of other blockchains is the nature of like it's hard to create a centralized app like Barstool or a website, a centralized app where you have a team working on it and they control what happens. When you get into distributed, decentralized blockchains, like the the chances of making it like perfect in the long run, just it of coordinating resources to make a distributed system as successful as Bitcoin at this point. It seems like an arduous task. In my you mind. should be very skeptical of blockchains that go down. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in that there was a whole issue earlier last year when, or, you know, in, in sort of mid 2017, when the, when the IOTA blockchain sort of went down, you know, or I, I guess the IOTA DAG went down, the IOTA network was down, uh, you know, for a time period. And everyone was, like, super confused. They were like, why can't we make transactions? And uh, turns out there's a centralized coordinator. I think they literally call it a coordinator. Um, and so, you know, you should be very, very skeptical of situations like that because there are, you know, points of failure. Central points of failure are, are very, very bad. Um, you know, if you wanted to bring down Bitcoin, there's a whole bunch of attack vectors. You probably talked about them on the show before, but... We saw know, a lot it, of attacks last year. Yeah, it's very hard. It is... But that's the beauty of it. It's like, wow, it really is. Like last year proved that Bitcoin is a honey badger. It can get kicked in the dick over and over again and come back stronger than ever. Maybe the big attack will be 2018 when now that we have a, a short side that we can bet on where you know people can get mm-hmm. big, big, big money on this sort of synthetic market um, and uh, you know try to bring down the network to, to capitalize on it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm interested in. Like, uh, so I worked in the futures markets before and I'm just like, the fact I go back and forth, like Jack Mahler's has talked about this as well. Like the fact that it's cash settled, like the futures contracts themselves will not affect the Bitcoin markets. What I'm more worried about is those traders uh, basically buying buying Bitcoin on the other side of those trades. Uh, actually, I'm not even describing this perfectly. <laughs> what I'm more worried about is like people trying to manipulate the futures markets by buying and selling. Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you are can. You drunk? 
Are you drunk? No, I'm not drunk. drunk. No, He's no, drunk. I'm trying to. You're like three beers in. You're good. I'm, I'm two beers in. Two beers. I'm just fucking. Just with open you. my third. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. But I'm saying no. The dynamic between the cash settled futures and the physical delivery. Er, that's like that's why Marty. it's so, that's why it's so confusing to talk about because there is no physical delivery Mar- of Bitcoin. Marty hit that digital. jewel. He had a yeah. few, a few Sam Adams. Three <laughs> hours into the podcast, he's, uh, he's losing it. Hey, but only like two more hours to go. So you're, star- you. you're starting to look good looking, Nate. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> It's getting weird in here, guys. Yeah, it's getting a little too weird. Let's get back on path. I'm going to open it up to you too. What questions do you have for Arjun? All right, I'm ready. Give me the, like, in the three to four steps, how do I get, how do I end up taking yeah. it all to the yeah, top? Yeah, turn around. Look who's here. <laughs> oh, my God. How do I take it all? Like, how do I know, like, in three to four steps? If someone who's very busy, someone who has, like, literally my team is a bozo idiot right here. And then Marty Bent, who knows nothing about advertising, but I, I need him around. <laughs> Literally knows nothing, but I need him around because I know we're going to like another level. And I just need someone to sit next to me who's like, yo, just get in this, get in this. Yeah. So how are we getting in the, like, where, what's your like day-to-day thought process and all? It's like, give me like when you get up and like you look, like, like, like where do you go to get your most, like most of your information? Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, yeah, There I we go. go. I... Okay, so then you go to Twitter, then where do you go? I go to Twitter. I, I check subreddits pretty aggressively i'm you know, a big subreddit guy okay subreddits telegram channels that's where you get sort of like not a on sense. telegram but marty's a big telegram guy you so gotta you gotta get a sense of the community see what it's like i i read a lot of sort of like what i see as primary source material mm-hmm. um so combination of code and papers like white papers okay so that, that so my code and white paper so is andrew that's an advantage you have over me is reading code like how much can like how much code are you reading like? so reading not so much running a lot okay so um for example um you know i spent some time last year trying to get my monero node running it's hard it's hard yeah it's, it was surprisingly difficult i'm sure it's a little bit easier now given that it's been six seven months mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so I, I spend a lot of time trying to actually interact with, um, you know, interact and get a client running myself. So say, you know, if something has um, a master node sort of mechanism, I try to set up a master node myself. Um, if someone, if something has a full node implementation, I try to run the full node myself. Um, you know, I I have act, I've mined sort of back in the day. Now I invest in miners, um, but. You know, I, I don't personally mine anymore, but if I, you know, had the have, um, you know, sort of the free time, that's something that I want to do more of at a loss. You know, I think it's very hard to mine individually. It's almost impossible uh, to do it at a profit now. But, you know, that's that's something, you know, sort, sort of like getting as hands on as possible is, is something that I think is pretty important to me. No, I in, agree. I mean, I, that's process. the only way I learned advertising is to come in and just literally do it on my, like, don't know how else. Like, so it's like, that's where I get like very much like, I don't know if I'll at the current rate we're going, if I'll ever be able to totally understand this, yeah. because it's like we're not to be in a world you have to totally dive in and be like, this is all I'm going to do. Yeah, like, this but, is all I'm going to do. But I will say, you know, so if you're using Monero, for example, um, you making a transaction to Marty or vice versa, you know, I think that's one way to go. If you're investing in zero uh, X and and trying to tr- then trying out, you know, hey, what is a decentralized, uh, you know, how can I make a trade that's not on a centralized exchange and go buy some Ethereum token and then sell it again, maybe at a slight loss because uh, I do it back to back, but just to try what it's like, you know, I think that trying to do is use the use cases as much as possible is pretty important. So that's yeah. one thing that I try to try to do a lot of. I staked Veracoin for a year just to f- figure out like. 
mm-hmm. what staking was like. Because staking as a different consensus protocol to prove exactly. work is yeah, like yeah. fascinating to me. Yeah. And just seeing that work in real time, like, holy shit, my coins are being staked right now and contributing to the network. And um, yep. Yep. my laptop is contributing to this global consensus network. It sort of blows your mind. Yeah, that's one of the important things when it comes to community management with projects is um, mm-hmm. you know making it easy for people who aren't technical to be able to do all of these things. They should be able to, uh, you mm-hmm. know, ultimately if... You know the the sort of like self sovereign uh, future that we articulated earlier is going to become a reality, and this is the you know you know how it happens. We need we need miners that are that are doubling as uh, water heaters in houses and stuff <laughs> like that. You just turn it on and it works. <laughs> and that's and that's another. So that's the state of where we are right now. We're waiting for this UX to come. Yeah, and it's going to take time. And it's. So let's do a state of the blockchain right now. Where sure. Where we just. Bitcoin just turned nine years old on January 3rd. Yes. Uh, we're less than a decade in. Uh, we're probably in our third or fourth major bubble. Yes. Um, let's compare it to the last bubble. So let's compare it to 2013, 2014. But why would like, yeah, exactly. What has why changed is, since then? What and has changed? Exactly. So, like, so why? 2013 was when, 2012, 2013 was when a lot of the consumer infrastructure for buying, selling, storing Bitcoin came online. So Coinbase went through, I think, YC 2012, Coinbase, uh, Blockchain.com, a lot of this infrastructure- Blockchain for, and info. <laughs> the, a lot of this uh, infrastructure for consumers was being built uh, right around then, 2012, 2013. Uh, and most of those early adopters were all technologists. So they were all you know pretty savvy on, on how Bitcoin worked, how to make transactions, um, you know, they could operate things independently if they wanted to. Um, so what we saw between 2012, uh, 2013 and 2016 was a lot of the institutional infrastructure came online. So um, in 2017, we saw um, a futures market by the CME, the CBOE come online. We saw um, a lot of the institutional custody products, so Coinbase, Gemini, Zappo, a number of other companies are building institutional infrastructure now. Um, you saw a lot of the miners become industrialized, where you had Bitmain, um, you have a number of smaller miners um, that are all like sort of spinning up vertically integrated mining operations. And so, you know, if 2012-2013 was consumer infrastructure, 2016-2017 was institutional infrastructure, I think that, you know, 2018 and 19 will be, you know, what I see as, as uh, the first wave of adoption. Mm-hmm. And uh, what that entails for me is a lot of the user experience, right? That's uh, you know currently not that great, but will be very great. You know, I think that um, there's going to be a, a significant layer of abstraction above um, you know what people interact with and you know what the technology is underlying. The same way we saw with consumer buying and selling and storage, and then institutional buying, and selling, representing the asset. I think we'll see the same thing for using of these actual services. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that will be abstracted away in a way that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like looking at Jack Mahler's Zap app right now, like if that UX and that that oh, it's beautiful, network, it's it's incredible. And I've said this before on the podcast as well, but uh, I think y'all's y'all's dot org is the best troll in uh, the tr- best troll game in the Bitcoin space. Coming at yours. Um, but yes, that's what we need. Is like I come from a design background as well, finance and design, and the UX needs to be there. And that's one thing I would encourage if you're sitting there like, hey, what can I do? And you're a designer, you're you're a UX designer or a UI designer. Start 
working on these need products. To sleep? Oh, I thought you were sleeping. Sorry. Sorry. My bad. He's Sorry, playing Candy back. Crush over there earlier. Nah, just swiping. <laughs> what a Friday night for you, kid. We gotta get, we gotta get block stack Tinder. We gotta get like the the block stack version of Tinder. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> the uh, Kevin Fam, who's very controversial on crypto Twitter, he threw out a, a, a crypto dating app. That guy name. is strange. That guy is very strange. He's uh, he's very, very controversial. Very strange. Yeah. He talks about his love life a lot, yeah. which is interesting. His but, good, uh, yeah, his the, app is Hoddle Me. If you're gonna do, <laughs> if you're gonna do, uh, that is that is if you're gonna do like a crypto I'll, Tinder. I'll, I'll put up the the crypto Tinder the the bounty one Ethereum for whoever gets a good proof of concept. I heard it here first. Uh, and we just we just put out a bug bounty or not a bug bounty a bounty for a, for a Tinder app on on the blockchain. <laughs> um, no, yeah, but like Kevin Fam, yeah, he's controversial. A lot of people don't like him. A lot, uh, I, I I get what he's doing though. I think he's trying to push the conversation to a certain area. He's trying to push the the Bitcoin Overton window. That's yeah. what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. I understand where he's coming from. Actually, I I'd like to have him on here to get get more into his head a little bit. Um, I think him and Chris DeRose, uh they just did a podcast. They just yesterday. did a podcast. I think they were shirtless for the podcast. Yeah. So Marty, unless you want to take your shirt off, yeah. I don't know if that'll work out. <laughs> I mean, I. <laughs> I'm not what I used to be. <laughs> that's, that's a fact. That's a fact. I used to have like, yeah, I used to be pretty jacked. Not anymore. From jacked <laughs> to fat in 10 years. That's what happens when you tear your ACL and you never get it fixed. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. I got the, yeah, me too. That's why I don't work out. I used to bench, <laughs> I used to bench four plates, actually. Yeah. 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 We're looking at Matt Brown who just en- joined us. Matt Brown, we shit on Tron earlier. Yeah, Tron's done. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, hey, Matt, Tron's Matt Brown, get over here. Get over here. Tron's done. I'm going to tag <laughs> out with Matt Brown because I got I to go home real quick. But... Did, you get a, did you just get a confirmed swipe? No, I didn't. No, no. Oh. Oh. But follow me on Twitter at BarstolNate. He, he just hit 100K. He's looking to go to 200 yeah. in half the amount of time. Nate, safe ride back to Hobo. Oh, see you, Nate. So, I'm pretty sure Tr- Tron's updated white paper they're actually already working on on uh, Tinder on the blockchain. <laughs> just, just so oh, you guys here know. Here we go. Just so you guys know. You missed so much of this conversation already. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I like don't even know what to say because I know whatever I say is going to sound so stupid. The best was though was yesterday. It's like all these companies now like. Like Localytics was actually like a pretty big data company at one Localytics, point. Localytics, yeah, it's in Boston. Yeah, I work on the same like, floor as them. At they're kind of going under. And Andrew texted me yesterday. They're like basically like rejiggering the whole team to work on some type of blockchain or crypto That's thing what right Kodak now. Kodak did this week yeah, too. They yeah, yeah, but the they Kodak, don't have any... I'll go on record. The Kodak miner will never fucking work. That's not. <laughs> it's cloud mining. That's a, they have like a cloud mining contract. Where, where they they get fifty percent of the revenue. Yeah, that will never work. There's no chance. Um, so, shout out Kodak for for trying to stay relevant in 2018. <laughs> shout out for Kodak stockholders, Kodak stockholders who made like 300 percent this week. Yeah. Hopefully you sold. Hopefully you sold. Um, I I'll be back. Lou's gonna rip a piss. I mean, we've been in here for like six hours. Now. <laughs> it's been yeah. two hours. Have you guys really been purring for that long? Nah, two hours. This is, this is more just like a hangout session on hot mics than it is a podcast at this point. It's gotten to that point. That's where we are now. <laughs> so, Matt, meet Arjun. It's nice to meet you. Oh. Nice to meet you. Um, we so just shook hands. I, yeah, I've, yeah, that was bad, bad radio, but we just shook hands. I've been, I've been pumped that you're coming in since I read the article. 
I am a noob brought in basically by Marty and Lou. I started off just like Bitcoin chat hodler. Then now, <laughs> now, now, now I'm in that like altcoin bubble fever phase. So right now I'm like 70% BTC, 30% Tron. Everyone listening, just go buy Tron just so I can sell it. Marty, how many of your listeners know what the term Chad means? Uh, I don't, unless you've, you've seen me uh, retweet a Chad tweet. I don't think very many. So Chad is a meme going around. Uh, a Chad Hodler is basically just a bro. Yeah, he has no that, idea that, what he's that buying. That defines me. That defines me overall. <laughs> like I'm, a, I'm just a Tron Chad hodler now. Like I don't even know what to do. I can't sell it at a no, loss. You I'm can't, just gonna you hold can't it. be a Chad if you're hodling Tron. You don't get the. You can't. Yeah, it's, it's, that's that's really. <laughs> Why not? That's really tough. It's you know, Bitcoin specific. If I go on a date and I tell a girl, "Hey, I invested in Bitcoin," you know, she's gonna be like, "Yeah, cool. I know what that is." Yeah. True. If you tell her she you invested in Tron, she's gonna be like, "You know, what the hell is that? You know, is yeah. it like like the movie." Yeah. It's, like, it's more like, "Oh, I got all these random alts. Like you don't even want to know." But <laughs> Vic probably hates your dick right now because you're all on Tron and shit like that. Nah, she doesn't care. She knows. <laughs> she knows we're Gucci. She knows we're Gucci. <laughs> um, that's the real. That'll be the real top when people start mortgaging their homes to buy shit like Tron. Is it just complete dog shit? I, it just has no product yet, right? Yeah, no product, plagiarized white paper. That was a little bit... Eh, was, they all are, though. Fucking... Whoa, whoa. Cardano. Mm. Not all of them. Sorry. Cardano Fuck. is I knew not I was plagiarized. Car- Cardano. Shout out Charles Hoskinson. Yeah. So, like, IOTA and Cardano are, like, way better than... than IOTA, no. IOTA, mm, they uh they had a they had a I don't want to say falsified but they had a little bit of uh yeah. you know a little Microsoft hype that may not have been entirely you know accurate yeah that and, little... and a team of MIT developers audited their code and they tried to create their own cryptographic hash function and that was something uh, you should never do that was yeah. absolutely savage so, shout out to the so, the MIT DCI <laughs> yeah. was, uh, so bright side on Tron they have no ha- hash function to even evaluate so <laughs> so let's just pump it all right. We, I mean, this is obviously isn't going to make the air. What do we want to get onto next? Like, how much time do you have, Arjun? I ha- dude, I got, I got, I got all the time. I don't know how much longer I can go, guys. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's hot. We are going, Marty. I know you can do this, like get high and do this forever, but I'm not high. I haven't smoked pot <laughs> in like two days. <laughs> I'm getting tired. All right, all right. Let's um, let's do some uh, closing questions here. We're, we're we're almost three hours in. Um, three, it feels like seven. <laughs> <laughs> let's. It's like we're in fucking zero gravity in Dragon Ball Z. We can just, yeah, that was a bad analogy. I actually tried to make that analogy earlier in, in this podcast series, and it didn't work that time either. Um, let me see what I've written down here. So, all right, back on the rails, Arjun. Let's give three. I know we've given out a lot of advice tonight, but for let's just consolidate it for for newcomers getting into this space. You're going to dollar cost average in. How would you? What would you recommend for people coming into the space to go about uh, research? Um, how to find good projects versus bad projects? Let's basically go over your non-technical token evaluation sheet that you that you wrote up for everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that for new projects in the space, uh, you want to really like if you're if you're total total noob. Uh, you want to do a couple different things. Um, you should follow at least what a couple of these funds are investing in because uh, some of the funds, not all the funds, but some of the funds put out research on projects that they think are really good. And, uh, you know, some of them, like Multicoin, has put out a lot of research on something on uh, Xerox, for example. I think they've also written about Funfair. Um, 
and you know sort of why they're investing you know that'll help you um, you can look up YouTube videos on a lot of the projects. You have to be careful because a lot of them are sort of hype marketing promo. But you can usually tell, you know, just mm-hmm. uh, what what's a sort of James Altucher type hype video and what's actually legit. Bitconnect. <laughs> that was one of my favorite videos. I love I love the part where all the Indian people, especially, are in the video and they're like, you know, it's. Uh, <laughs> For those of you that don't know, Bitconnect was actually a legitimate. Ponzi scheme, it coupling was, as a blockchain. Yeah, I think pyramid scheme, straight up pyramid scheme. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was bad. Uh, the bit, so you know that'll help you separate sort of the bit connects from the world, and just sort of thinking through, you know, who are the users going to be? Um, what is the token sales structure? How much does the founding team have? Did they get it all at once, or is it being sort of distributed over time? Um, you know, I think all of those questions, thinking through them critically, are, are really, really important. Um, and that'll help you start to separate. Um, you know what's a get what's an obvious get rich quick, quick scheme from a sort of like longer term get rich quick scheme. Um, you know because ultimately that's what a lot of these networks are because people are building networks because they want to get rich. Maybe not in the short term, maybe on a ten year time horizon. Which mm-hmm. you know if they build something valuable over ten years, I have no personal problem with. Yeah, neither do I. Um, and <sighs> that's one thing that. That fascinates me is how how caught up in in all the buzzwords that that people people can be like uh, the amount of should I buy Ripple text that I got that I got like the last month is like yeah it's dumbfounding the if if you can't understand what the token does or how it'll go up in value how it'll generate value beyond speculative demand then you probably shouldn't buy the token Maddie Brown here. Everybody's talking oh, Matt, about Matty Brown here. Oh. Told me that Ripple was going to three hundred dollars. Not everybody. Everybody's talking be... about banks are going to use Ripple. <laughs> everybody's talking, but nobody can explain how banks will use Ripple, why that value will accrue to the Ripple, the XRP token, mm-hmm. and uh, you know why it makes sense for a consumer to hold XRP as a result of that. You know, I think that you know starting with that base sort of set of questions is is going to really really help weed out you know what's valuable and what's not because. You know, maybe people will get lucky, and maybe people will make smart trades and and sort of capitalize on the speculative demand. But, you know, more often than not, a lot of the newcomers to the space are going to get wrecked as a result and have bad experiences. Yeah, that's not good. And with Ripple specifically, like that's what people need to know. Like, there's XRP, and then they have like another like technology without the token. That's probably well most likely i mean not most likely like if the bank's going to use xrp or this technology it's not going to be the token it's going to be and, the back end uh, infrastructure and on top of that they control a large amount of the xrp 60% the f- 60% the free float is actually pretty limited and uh, a certain amount of that hits the market every single month that they release and then and then you got to take into account the unit of account how many how many tokens what what is the supply of tokens for these so yeah. matty b Last week was like, yeah, Ripple's going to three hundred. I was like, if you if Ripple went to three hundred dollars, it'd be a thirty trillion dollar market cap. For yeah, it's, been a, it's been a long week. I've learned I've learned a lot. <laughs> I think that one of the the valuable resources here, and this is this site's been going on all week, so I don't mean to give it more volume. Uh, by my uh, on chain FX, on chain yep. FX, everybody stop using Coin Market Cap. Use on chain FX, even though they have so much demand, their site keeps going down. 
on-chain FX, you know, they take into account sort of like how much supply there is, what the market cap is when it's sort of fully diluted, and they take all of these things into account, and it frames a much better picture mm-hmm. for you know what the reality is versus coin market cap, um, which is easily you know manipulated. Manipulated, and that actually moved the markets earlier this week when market cap took the Korean exchanges off of their index, and Bitcoin fell like two grand as a result. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, and then another another one of my favorite tweets that was going around this week is uh, like uh, if these coins had the same twenty one million uh, supply that Bitcoin has, like what they would be valued. Ripple would have been valued at like fourteen thousand dollars a coin. Yeah, exactly. Shout out Ryan Selkis. I'm pretty sure he tweeted yeah, that out. Yeah. I spent too much time on Twitter because I can recognize these things without you. Ryan, Ryan, if you're listening, stupid idiot. Too bit idiot. You're getting in the studio soon. I've been bugging you. I've been bugging you for months. He is the it's man. Time. Yeah, yeah. I've met Ryan. I've I've had the pleasure of meeting Ryan in person once uh, this summer. We had yeah, a great he's uh, starting up a new uh, company called Masari. They're trying to build an Edgar database for mm-hmm. for crypto. Yeah, fully. Um, you know, they'll disclose things like how much does the founding team have, what's their distribution schedule. All of these things matter. So he's bringing. He's being good cop to this industry, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. And he's actually somebody who writes a daily newsletter. He's somebody that 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 trailblazed the road for me i sort of unknowingly followed in his footsteps absolutely um all right let's get some closing questions here from you two lewis anything i mean can you come back can you like maybe work from this office sometime (laughs) like like what do you do every day can you just like come hang out with us like that that would be that's what i i mean that's what we need we know we're like not even yeah, what's, what's the handicapper fee here? The, what's the, what's I, the I monthly will, subscription I will, I model? I will come back as often as you guys will have me. Well, so. Okay, so every week, <laughs> every day, if you want to come be, in, yeah, I'll be back. I'll be back soon. We're like, yeah, like let's just come back. Like let's like hang out here. Like let's just we want. <laughs> we're trying to build. I'm trying to team light switch stays late. Let's and uh, I'm trying to build the like. Uh, I, like the smartest maybe group of people I can build like in the moment like everyone's like we have a pretty good amount of people like I know Andrew's super smart Marty's super smart Matt Brown he's learning like we're we're getting there like so yeah. just come back let's yeah, all come yeah. back I'll be let's back. come back I, I want to do a whole barstool line of like crypto apparel we're, and, we're uh, working on we're working on Caleb's got quiet. some ideas we're we're thinking about doing future Fridays. We've got some we've got yeah. some ideas in our hand. One future, coin, one buy. Everybody knows the rules. <laughs> <laughs> Mad anything? No, no. I think we're good. All right, uh, Arjun. Where can we learn more about you? Uh, Twitter at Arjun B L J A R J U N B L J, and uh, yeah, that's it. Please don't DM me targets, <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. Um, Again, I can't thank you enough for coming coming into the studio. It's been uh, been an incredible perspective that that this podcast was desperately in need of. Um, like Lewis said, we're definitely gonna have you in here again at some point. Um, forever, all you freaks out there, follow me on on Twitter at Marty Bent. Subscribe to my newsletter link in my bio. Uh, subscribe to this podcast if you have people looking to learn about Bitcoin, learn about crypto. Send them this way. Um, and if you're out there and you're looking to ask questions, my DMs are always open as well. Like Arjun said, don't ask me for targets. <laughs> I'm not a trader. Um, but yeah, we're going to end it there. Peace and love.